Welcome to the Game Central Podcast. Can you hear me all right, guys? Yeah. Yeah? Yep. Well, hello there and welcome to the Game Central Podcast. A warm welcome from myself, Rob Walker, plus the two retrobrates that join me week in, week out. Gareth Williams and who gives a toss, Don Goss. Yeah. I'm joking, Don. We do give a toss. Yeah. Uh, how has your week been, Don? It's uh, pretty good. Not bad. Could have been better. Only seen my girlfriend oh. once this week. That sucks. But Mate, apart from that... that it does suck, uh, yeah. but uh, other than that, it's not been too bad. And what about you, Gareth? Uh, I had a job interview on Monday. Shut up! Fuck off, you liar. Well, I didn't, get, have the, I didn't get the job. Of course uh, not. You Did you are. go wearing a bib? I'm sorry, I doubted you. <laughs> yeah, I just wore it over my face. <laughs> Thought it improved my chances. No, if you do that on purpose, you jeopardise it. Well, what? I hope this hasn't put you down, Gareth, and you're ready to go back and do it again. It's not like you have much choice. It, was, it wasn't one you wanted. You were forced to go for the interview, weren't you? Well, I mean, I was forced, but I did want it. So. That's, well, that's what she said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you may have noticed that last week's podcast came out last Saturday instead of its usual Thursday slot. It's sort that we don't care when it comes up. We will always try our best to get it out regularly on a Thursday, but it's not always possible. If one of us is busy, rather than doing a two-man podcast, or even worse, one of Gareth's infamous one-man podcasts, we wait until all three of us are available. If that means we're recording on Friday, then so be it. A delayed podcast will eventually be a good podcast, but a terrible podcast will always be a terrible podcast, Gareth. Okay. Okay. Do you think this podcast has any chance of coming out yesterday, Gareth? Uh, I'd say the chances are slim, but not impossible. Not impossible. So what a podcast we have for you today. Don's hot gossip, as usual, eases us in gently before we start to speed up with the news. And by the time the feature rolls around, we are well and truly pounding away. And what have we been playing finishes all over the face very nicely. So, Don... uh, over to you. What is this week's hot gossip? News so hot that there is no way it could have been put in with regular news, lest it burn it down. It sounded like a a snake. A snake on a hot tin roof. Anyway, um, (laughs) that's what they do. Uh, Anyway, uh, Leonard Nimoy died last month. That's a a, a bad Hot gossip, hot gossip, everyone. It is. Last month. That's that's not the the actual, you know, I'll get there. I'm winding up, I'm winding up. Um, and as people know that where the uh, Star Trek Online people built a nice little memorial for him in game um, and a few other places places? games not just okay. places actual games in fact some places should put up statues to him as well that'd be quite good one in the middle of Leicester Town Square or something that'd be nice um, oh, you mean Leicester Square 
No, Leicester, as in Leicester, the town, not Leicester. But why, why Leicester in particular? Because he never, he, he was never in the UK. He didn't give a shit about London. So, and besides, so Leicester's Leicester is a bit Could do Leicester could do with cheer. Are up. you saying they should change their name to Leicester Nimoy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, they should. Well, I'll save that for you. All right, carry Thanks. on. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, anyway, um, yep. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> how round Leicester? It's a bit weird. Right. I can imagine him on a plinth in Leicester Square. Well, there's that empty one they use to fill up with weird stuff sometimes. Oh, are you saying he's weird? No. Oh, oh are you oh. saying a woman with no arms and no legs is weird? Yes. That is rude. But she, no, well, she wouldn't be, but only if she is also pregnant at the same time. Was she pregnant? Yes. Yeah, she was. Just, there's all kinds of things to imagine as to how that happens and the, the logistics of that whole thing. But let's gloss over that and go with the fact that Elite Dangerous have actually now joined in the memorial uh, gang and they've uh, announced that uh, they've created the planet Vulcan and they've uh, named a space station call, uh, after him, calling it Leonard Nimoy Station. But beyond that, Star it's Citizen... Subtle, isn't it? it is very subtle. No, it's yeah. not at all, because the memorial is really meant to be subtle. Well, they're supposed no. to be really quite obvious. Yes. <laughs> Unless it's really, really hard, hard to find the planet Vulcan in, in a bit dangerous yeah. case, it would be quite subtle. Well, that, that's really nice hot gossip. Yes, but that's not the hot gossip though, because oh. anyone, wow. anyone could have heard that. Yeah. Star Citizen, another huge space uh, space game that's coming up uh, in the near future, also plans to uh, honour Mr. Nem- Nimoy with uh, some in-game content. But even that is not the hot gossip. The real hot gossip is that it's now practically right. compulsory. For every game now to have a Leonard Nimoy memorial of some kind in their game. To which end? Not Destiny. Not Destiny. Mortal Kombat X has announced Leonard Nimoy is going to be a downloadable character in the future. And because fighting games is obviously his genre, Dead or Alive 5 are going to have a downloadable skin to turn your character into sexy Spock. Oh yes, and you can look right up his gusset. Absolutely can. Fantastic. Well, live long and prosper. Thanks. Well, you're welcome. (laughs) Well, Thursday, it was the Gaming BAFTAs, an event where celebrities who know nothing about games are paid to come along and give awards to people who make games. It also seems the people who chose the winners of each category have no idea about games either, as they awarded Destiny Game of the Year. Hey, but you know, it's a common error and a fault that maybe it was Game of the Year, and it was shared by many people. It's wrong, but people still have their own opinion. I think last year's games and having to decide between them is a bit like the South Park episode, Giant Douche versus Turd Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, isn't it? It's like there's no winner really. It's like which do you pick from the bad bunch? Uh, which would you prefer, Don? A giant douche or a turd sandwich? Oh, giant douche any day of the week. Remember, you do have to insert it. <laughs> oh, like I know. How, I know how a giant douche works, my friend. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, no doubt Gareth has compiled a list. Any chance he gets, he isn't listening. So let's put the next hour or so aside. And enjoy what I like to call Who Has the Biggest Fist? Gareth made the list. Which country has the most missed? Gareth made the list. How many times have I been pissed? Gareth made the list. From the day he was born, Gareth understands everything in list form. I actually don't have a list. You don't have a list? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, this is I right can, up to the street. I can <laughs> just say things that were facts that came out of the BAFTAs. 
No, you can't just say things, man. If it has to be in list form, you know. Okay, this. okay, okay. I'll I'll find a way. Right. So, yes, Destiny won best game. Yeah. But here's what it was up against. Sure. To give you some idea of the uh, the, the dreck that it had stop, to stop, somehow stop talking, overcome. Alien Isolation. Dragon That's Age, quite a good game. Inquisition. That's a good game. Mario Kart 8. Excellent fucking game. Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. Shit game. And Monument Valley. Brilliant game. Oh, wow. So... They were all good games. All good. Well, the Apart problem is they can't, they can't add Grand Theft Auto to that list. Obviously, it would have won. Yeah, exactly. It already won, though, didn't it? Last the year before? Two years ago? Yeah. But still, I think some people have called it their game of the year. So BAFTAs were a bit rude in kind of just pushing it aside. Well, no, because it's a re-release, so it can't be. Oh, sorry, Destiny Boy. Yeah, well, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Sorry. That's why, <laughs> otherwise, Last of Us probably would should have won in that case, because Last of Us got remastered and brought out again at the end of last year. So that should have technically won, because it also won last year. Monument Valley and The Last of Us Left Behind were the big winners on the night, hey. with two awards each. So The Last of Us did actually win two awards. Yep. Therefore, uh, wait, which one is it? Uh, For story, uh, best story, Last of Us, and best performer for Ashley Johnson, who was obviously plays Ellie. Yeah, but what I don't understand, Gareth, is you can't bring up The Last of Us in that sort of capacity, give it awards, but then not include it in Game of the Year. Seems ridiculous. Well, th- what they did was they gave the DLC the awards. A cheeky, Because the DLC came out uh, last year. Yeah. But not the main game, because that came out the year before. Um, I'd probably still play that the most games on that game of the year list. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Monument Valley also won two awards. It yeah. won British Game. Yep. Not best British game, just British game. <laughs> it won the... <laughs> Because it's a British it was game. The, the British game. That's what it says. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, best mobile. Best mobile. Yeah. So. Because it is literally the best game on your mobile slash handset, whatever tablet. Definitely get it. Just get Hamilton Valley. If you've got a tablet, if you've got a phone, of course you have. Is that the game get you it. and Gareth were arguing about that wasn't actually a game? In yes. But it is oh, a fucking okay. game. Okay. <laughs> it's a game, but it's oh, not oh, game of the God. year material. Come on! No. It, it best mobile category easily, definitely best mobile game. Not not even a contest. Not even a contest. How many of the other nominees did you play? On best mobile, literally all of them, except one. Literally. I don't know what the word literally means, but <laughs> you literally but... played all played all of them. It's fine, Don. You can use that word. Okay. <laughs> uh, Valiant anyway. Hearts won best original property. Ooh. Which is, mm. I guess, a thing. Uh, the Vanishing of Ethan Carter won the prize for Game Innovation. Christ, I think I've heard of that once before you just mentioned it. Hang on, sorry. They called it Best Original Property, but yeah. surely Destiny is an original property. Yeah, but Destiny's their version of is their best game, not their best original property. They think it's an but unoriginal that- property, right? I guess. I suppose, yeah. Must be the logic they've used. Maybe, but I'm just saying that it would win surely by default if it is Game of the Year. Best original property as well. If they base it on original IPs. 
You would have think that, but then Destiny's garbage, so then... <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, when's Destiny going to die out? Literally <laughs> never. I know. It's not going to happen. It will one day. Die. And then me and Rob will be so fucking happy. It's kind of just sticking around like an annoying sort of rash. Well, you'll think... <laughs> Because they've got so much down content planned for it for this year, and then and ten years, and for the, and literally as soon as you go right, they finally finished all the DLC for Destiny. After a couple of months, people will stop going on about it, and just as that happens, Destiny Two will actually hit, and, and it will be all be all over again. It's just going to yeah. ramp up again. No, because no one will give a fuck at Destiny Two. Yeah, no, they, they will. will. They really they will. They've got their little army. Yep. No, because everyone will just remember how shit Destiny oh, 1 was. Talking about Destiny! <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's right, that's right, okay. I've never spoken so much about a game that I think's not very good. And a game and you've it... not really played either, so... I it's... have. No, you've played a like, bit of the beta. I've played five it. hours of it. Oh, my God. Yeah, never mind. Which is more than a Mega Drive game. <laughs> the thing is, Rob, I played a lot of it, and I still think it's garbage, so they... Yeah. Just horses um, for horses. Uh, in the sports category, there was a shock winner. What? It wasn't FIFA. It wasn't FIFA. It wasn't Football Manager 15. That's the It was the indie skateboarding game Oli Oli. Yep. Oh, that's annoying me. <laughs> Is that really <laughs> sports? Is it? I, it's it's not really sports. It, it's it's sports as in okay, skating's sports, but it's about as far away from that, yeah. It, Cause it, it's, like, it's, it's all... not that I don't think it's a good game, but if you if you look at the sort of time and effort that went into it compared to something like FIFA 15, I'm not saying FIFA 15 is better, but it's just so unfair to put them in the same category. It mm-hmm. does seem like a sort of um, uh, like a sort of going for a popular attention kind of award, you know? Yeah, like hey guys, we're with. You. You guys, because it's all cool at the moment to be down with the indie guys, isn't it? Yeah, I mean FIFA wins FIFA every year because it is the best sports game every year. Yeah. This feels like sort of yeah. throwing a bone to indies. I feel yeah. not obviously not saying that Oli is a bad game, but no, it doesn't stand up there with these other sports games. No, um, artistic achievement award. Remember, this is a game that achieved artistry. Artistry. Yeah, uh, art in it. Went to Lumino City. It's like Luminosity, but broken up. So that's, yeah. that's artistic achievement right there. Um, game design. The best designed game went to Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. Really? That's what, yep. Yeah. Some people obviously still haven't completed it. <laughs> because, like I said before, that the ending just nullifies anything that you would ever say about the game. So best yep. design, no, because the, of that ending. They designed a final boss that's a quick time event, so... Yeah, that's did... it. That just negates anything you could ever say. Yeah. Also, like, you know, if Destiny's not winning for these categories, what's it winning best game for? Yeah. If it's not the best designed and it's not the best original property, why is it the best game? Oh, it's just a load of crap. <sighs> oh well. Uh, best yeah. best audio uh, went to Far Cry Four. In which, in what way? In what world? Uh, I guess just like you know, ambient sound, not necessarily music, but you know, like sounds and the way. Oh, well, I played Far Cry, is. and to be honest, it, it, the the sound is something that stands out 
particularly. Well, well that's good though, isn't it? Because if you don't notice the sound, that probably means it's good. Because it's just so ambient and good that you just don't even pick up on it. Gareth, you're very you're very positive today. Thank you. Maybe it's because you're in the middle of one of your lists. <laughs> Can't possibly be negative. Sorry, we're getting towards the end now. We're getting towards the end. Thanks, that's good. Uh, best family game went to Minecraft, the console editions. Yeah, because all the family love playing that. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do, uh, yeah. um, And the best multiplayer game went to not Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Should not go to Destiny, surely. Not Mario Kart 8. Destiny wasn't even nominated. It went to Hearthstone, Heroes of Warcraft, no, the free-to-play card game on the PC and Android tablets and stuff. But don't you think that's ridiculous, that the way they've set out these categories? If Destiny's Game of the Year, which makes it better than any other game released, and it's predominantly a multiplayer game, then surely it should win that. I agree with that logic. Thank you. Let's not talk about the BAFTAs anymore. They're a bunch of silly, stupid little men that think they're important. Unless we get tickets to it next year. In which Unless case, we get tickets great. to it next year. They could have let us come along. I haven't <laughs> got a tuxedo, but I'm sure you've got one, Don. Um, no, exactly. Well, you've got something that's like a tuxedo, so we could have <laughs> both just fit into that together. It yeah. looks horrendous. <laughs> right, so... Microsoft first-party studios are working on HoloLens games. Now, Gareth, the HoloLens, if I'm not mistaken, is that one that has the bike in it, and you just look down at a desk and you can see a model of a bike in three dimensions. Yes, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) and the the picture actually looks like the dwarf from Game of Thrones. (laughs) It does a bit, I see why you would say that. Yeah, this is the one where you put glasses on and it'll uh, sort of... Uh, augmented reality, some holograms onto the But will the I have to take off my VR headset to use it? I'm afraid so, yes. Oh my god, there's going to be headsets all over the place. I, I think you'd probably just pick one and then stick with really? that one. Why are you going all out? Uh, I don't want any of them. All right. I'm just saying. <laughs> I can't, it, you, you're gonna end, someone's gonna, a lot of people are going to end up buying the Betamax version of well, these headsets. Because they're not all going to survive, it's ridiculous. No, they're not. One of them's so going to carry on, and the, and the other one is going to just die a death, and you're going to spend 500 quid on something, or two of them, and it will just be sat there. Well, if any of them are going to die, it's going to be Microsoft, because everyone else's <laughs> is sort of the same theme, like virtual reality. You put a headset on, you see it in 3D. Microsoft are just like, I don't know, holograms. We're going our own <laughs> different way. It works really well with Connect. Uh, so, yeah. But the, the story here is that they're actually making games for it, they're not just doing tech demos. Microsoft have their studios working on games right now, which means Lemmings would be good or Worms. Or Lemmings would like be really good, good, actually. That's an yeah. awesome shout. Huh. Lemmings. <laughs> <laughs> but the guy seems a bit bored that's playing it in that picture because he's just basically pointing at a house on his desk. Yeah, he's like, think, ooh, yeah, ooh, ooh, a house, like, house on my desk. It won't be too long before. That would get boring, and you'd kind of get confused over what was real and what wasn't. Yeah, but that sounds that sounds good. I, it's one of those yeah. things I'll only believe is cool when I try it for myself. But I mean, you know, E three's only a few months away, so maybe we'll see some holographic games on stage. So the sort of holographic things that I've played, yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, would that uh, or iPad would that qualify? 
Oh, on the PlayStation. It wasn't icon, a hologram, was it? Yeah, it was more like it was on the TV, and you could put your hand on it. And it looked like it was walking around your living room. That was awful. Um, I don't. Would you would you be able to move your head and everything stayed in the same place, or would you have to stay deadly still, or everything would look like it was kind of floating off the table? No, in, in theory, like this house is on your table, you can get up and walk around your room, and the house will stay exactly where it is. We're on the cusp of future now, aren't we? Yeah, and we're right we're, there. We're, yeah, we're right there, and we're all getting ready to jump in with VR and holographic headsets and whatnot. So you could pretty much... It doesn't have to be this blocky-looking thing. You could have a naked woman sat on your sofa. Yep. That looked like an actual woman. Uh, well, it'd probably have to be some kind of graphics, but... Yeah. You've seen graphics nowadays. You can do some pretty good stuff. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm all up for that. <laughs> Very nice. HoloLens. Well, there you go. That's going to be coming out in the near future. It looks like a futuristic... Uh, thing and it will be futuristic. Uh, some games that are going to come out on that. It looks absolutely brilliant. Uh, EA shuts down SimCity Studio Maxis, but brand will carry on. Is SimCity still still popular, Gareth? I mean, it had all those problems when it first released, and it was a bit of a farce, to be honest. Yeah, it's garbage. Oh, okay. <laughs> but there are people that are still die-hard fans, aren't there? Probably, but. Then Maxis are not a thing anymore, so they're not going to get a new SimCity for a while. Uh, The the main story here is that just happened in the middle of GDC. Like, EA thought nobody would notice because everyone was too busy with all the VR stuff that was going on at GDC. Yeah. And then they just completely uh, shut down Maxis like it was nothing. Oh, I think uh, SimCity would be quite good with the uh, Hollow headset. Building a city on your table or on the floor. Yeah, it would. You have some that would good, be great. Virtual reality, all of that stuff. I'd love to play Age of Empires or something like that, Command and Conquer with it on my floor, like having a big battlefield laid out before me. To be honest, that, I think that would be more exciting to me than uh, virtual reality, to be honest. I think it would be, be able to sit there with a controller, using it to do that, or playing a football match on my floor and having the pitch there. Very interesting. Hmm. I'll have to keep thinking. Update. Elite Dangerous coming to Xbox One, followed by PlayStation 4. Wow, the PlayStation 4 is coming to Xbox One. (laughs) That is excellent. Fuck Elite Dangerous. What's this about, Gareth? Xbox One, uh, PS4 coming to Xbox One. Uh, You know what? I've been talking quite a lot. Don, what do you think about this? Um, well, as someone who hadn't really been paying full attention to where Elite Dangerous was and wasn't coming out on, I always assumed it was going out on PC and the new consoles <laughs> the whole time anyway. This so, is why I asked you, Gareth. <laughs> so, um, you know, good. It should be coming out on the Xbox One and PS4. Why the hell shouldn't it? Yeah. They're spending some, a lot, they've spent a hell of a lot of time developing it. They've, you know, they've got to make sure they get as much out of it as possible, as many players as possible. Wasn't it it was a Kickstarter, I think, to begin with. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, the number of players, the sheer volume of players on just PS4 now, I mean, what, that passed, what, 10 million consoles or something, was it? Or 20 million consoles? Whatever it was. Insanely fast. Uh, and Xbox One isn't that far behind. But the number of people now just picking up consoles, it's, it's too big a market for a game like this to kind of just ignore. 
they could make yeah. an absolute fortune uh, and and the the player base loves space shooters so definitely give it to us please uh, and I'll definitely be picking it on PS4 when it arrives not playing That's... it though no, no. I'll, I'll just add I'll add it to my <laughs> dusty, dusty collection <laughs> <laughs> I'll add it to my dusty collection and uh, <clears throat> and never find Vulcan oh. there you go <laughs> Uh, Xbox Live Gold memberships will not be required for PC multiplayer. Uh, so they're going to get free multiplayer, are they, Gareth? Yep. Uh, when they do all this cross-game stuff that's going to happen with uh, Xbox Live and the next Windows, uh, PC gamers will have to pay anything to use uh, those games online. But they don't now anyway, do they, for for a lot of most multiplayer games? That's true, but there was a so, lot of... Uh, unhappy Xbox users who were like wait, these PC gamers don't have to use their hard-earned <laughs> money to play online when we do. Is it cheaper to maintain PC servers or something? No, I just think the precedent's way too set on PC for free multiplayer. You couldn't possibly start charging now because it would just be suicide. Like, No one's going yeah. for that at all. Oh, well that's a shame. Uh, P- GTA PC- 5... Sorry, Gareth. That Don. That's, I was gonna. I was gonna. All I was gonna say was the, the PC crowds are a lot more. Um, they, they they've got a better voice, I think, when it comes to things like that. If if they're like Gareth said, if, if they start trying to charge a PC multiplayer on things now, the whole community would just go insane and just tear the fucking hole out of whoever suggested it. Whereas console gamers generally just go, oh, for fuck's sake, and then pay anyway. Yeah. So that's the kind of difference between PC and console. Anyway, please continue. Uh, Gareth, got some rappers here that you love. Woody Jackson, Tangerine Dream, Elle Sweatshirt, Little Dragon, Fantagram, Fred Gibbs, Pop Can, Killer Mike, Tunde Edebimpe and Samuel T. Herring are all contributing to a new radio station on GTA 5. Not the Tunde Edebimpe. <laughs> it is actually... <laughs> Tunde Adabimpe. Oh my god. He, he's absolutely fantastic. We've been following him for many years. Uh, and he's finally going. Oh, I just played Touch the Link and music started going into my ears. <laughs> uh, this is nice, uh, GTA. I've always thought that it would be quite a good idea to refresh your uh, radio stations, keep it current. Um, I don't play GTA 5 anymore, but for people that are participating in the heists and things like that, it's all going to be great news for them. Yeah, it's free. It's free radio it's free station. As well. so you can't say anything. What are you going to do? You're going to moan? <laughs> You're going to moan about having a free radio station? You can't. It's really nice. Uh, Borderlands, the pre-sequel, fourth DLC. Get real estate. I didn't even know there was a first, second, or third DLC. Well, uh, here's Gareth, the thing. you absolutely love this game, so obviously you've got all four DLC packs. Well, no, and here's why. Uh, the first DLC pack on, was a new character, uh, the doppelganger, who was basically That's handsome. That's not DLC, job. really. Yeah. Then the second uh, DLC was uh, it added like an arena combat thing and also up the maximum number of levels you could have by ten. Which good, yeah. instead of top level being 50, it was now 60, so I got that and played lots of that, and that's fun. Uh, then the third DLC was another character, yeah, which is Sir Hamelock's sister. I'm not How asked about that, because yeah. I'm the kind of person who will 
pick a character and then stick with them. So yeah. I don't want any extra characters. I'm not interested. Well, that's the thing. It's like once you put all that time and effort in upgrading them, you don't want to just reset and go back and be someone else just because they're slightly different. Exactly. So that, yeah, I'm not into that. But then this fourth one is uh, more story stuff. So it takes place in Claptrap's brain. Uh, and you have to find something hidden inside his uh, subconscious. Yeah. And they're also adding another 10 levels. So now the max level will be 70 instead of 60. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a better piece of add-on. I don't, I never really respect these extra characters or extra skins or an arena mode because you know, that's that's not much really to get your teeth into, is it? Well, the arena mode was cool because uh, enemies actually start dropping really good loot. Like we got a, a couple of rare items, like a uh, oranges, sorry, from bosses, oranges. which is the, the rarest you can get. So yeah. we were pretty happy about that. Uh, it's just a good way to grind more levels as well. When they add 10 extra levels, that's actually a fucking load of game you have to play to get those 10 levels. Yeah. So you're actually really thankful for another arena to fight in. Yeah, but it's always good to have fun whilst levelling up, not for it to be a chore. Yeah, that's why we're, uh, me and my friend, more excited for this next one, because it is sort of story, and they always have really Ken's. cool rewards. Yes, my friend Ken's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm excited, and it comes out uh, March 24th, which is like 10 days. Not bad. It's actually 11 days, Gareth. <gasps> and remember, it's Mother's Day on Sunday. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so don't just sleep through it. Oh. Uh, Don, are you going to be playing... Are you going to be getting GTA Five again to be playing on online highest? Well, I need to get it the first time before I can get it again. Sorry, say that again. I need to get it the first time before I can get it again I didn't get it on last gen I have not played it at all yet so thanks the heists came out (laughs) and they were broken and the, yeah. the servers went down and everyone was fucking well angry. <laughs> um, I don't really understand. I haven't really read up on the heists, but it sounds like they're just missions based on, you know, doing heists. Well, the thing is, Don, if you had played the main game of Grand Which I have but yeah. You would know that the heists are the best bit about the game. Right. Because it's like you pick a target and then you go do all these missions to make sure everything's ready so you'll go and get the like the getaway vehicle and you'll park it in the right place and you'll go and secure the weaponry you'll need and you'll come up with a plan and you'll have to like sort of uh, act out the plan and do all this stuff it's actually quite involved so no it, it sounds good but it also sounds like I'm going to need a bunch of friends and I, I don't have so many of those you have destiny friends no well you'd think so a lot of them have fucked off and there and every t- as soon as Borderlands comes out they're all fucking yeah Borderlands it's well good I'm just fucking off Destiny to play Borderlands because it's so brilliant even though I played it on the fucking PS3 and I've maxed everything out I'm just going to copy my save across and and do what and do what you've finished the game you're going to copy your save across from your PS3 and that's it actually have fun but f- fuck that <laughs> <laughs> Tom. 
But that's what. So yeah, they're not on Destiny anymore. They've all fucked oh. off to just go and wait for Borderlands. Yes, yes, Rob. You haven't played The Last of Us either. No, I haven't played The Last of Us either. I think what you need to do, okay, is, is spend this whole weekend, which I've no, 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 playing Destiny. Yes. No, no, Destiny. Okay, let's forget about whether it's average. Let's forget about what people say about it. Destiny has prevented you from playing two of the best games ever made. Not just of this generation, but of all time. Okay, you shouldn't be worrying about whether you should port your game of Borderlands across, where you're maxed out with every character. You shouldn't even be worried about that. You should be worried why you haven't been playing The Last of Us or Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah, but I kind of think if I played a, I played a couple of hours of The Last of Us, and I wasn't that fussed about keeping on playing it. Whereas I kind of think if the game was that good. I'd have not been able to stop playing, but I don't know. Critics unanimous with praise in first DMC definite edition review. Now, the, the, I love Devil May Cry, and I told was it I said to you, didn't I, Gareth? No, you've seriously got to give this game a try, and you did, and you loved it, and it, I hope it reaches a larger audience because it's it's not like one of those middle of the road games oh yeah it was okay I was a big Devil May Cry fanboy and when I first saw the direction they were going in I was outraged like everyone else but it won me over and I, I actually think it's one of the best it's up there with Bayonetta and I'm not going to cry about that it genuinely is I don't know what you think Gareth whether you'd rate it as highly as that but I know you did enjoy it fantastic game uh, it's one of those games where I had absolutely no affiliation with Devil May Cry at all. I'd seen it played, you know, oh, he's got guns, oh, you're supposed to juggle enemies, oh, whatever. But then to play it, everything's just so crisp and fast and fluid, and you always have so much control over yourself that even yeah. though the combat doesn't change that much from start to finish, mm. you never get bored of it because you're always just so in control. Yeah, you never feel as if... Yeah, you can play those games where you feel that you're just playing it on autopilot. And but with Devil May Cry, you have to keep uh, your wits about you. You have to keep your concentration, or you'll get overrun. And there's so many sort of combos and stuff you can do. You can play it quite basic, but then you can really start to show off when you get the hang of things. Yeah, you could just, just you could just pick a weapon and just stay on that one weapon. Which, yeah. you know, it kind of sometimes is what I tend to do in these kind of games. Is like, oh, I like this type of weapon, I'll stick with it. But in this game, I found myself just in every single fight. I was switching weapons. I was using each yeah. weapon at least once, just constantly switching up for my own like entertainment because everything was so satisfying to do. I was like pulling enemies towards me, hitting them to the ground, then pulling myself to another enemy. It was just yeah, and it was the enemies that required particular weapons to hit them, like those kind of dog animals that span around and they turn blue and then they turn red. And it was using the different weapons against them that was fantastic. I don't know if Dom played it. <laughs> she uh, didn't. Take a guess. Get that one. Get that one in as well, Don. Get get playing on that. Uh, <laughs> Nothing but glowing Dom. reviews for it, Don. Exactly. Yeah. Didn't they cut all the uh, the sex and references and stuff out of this uh, remake? I don't. Was there sexism? There was some references? kind of, uh, I'm sure I read somewhere, there's a, there's a bunch of like sex references and kind of loody stuff in there a little bit. And they just Not really, Dante's a bit cheeky. Yeah. But nothing he's naked. Like, 
You dirty slag, come here, you fuck. <laughs> Things like that. There was nothing like that, which was absolute, which was fine. Uh, Titanfall celebrates first year with free season pass for all players. So you get yourself an Xbox One there, Don, and you can download a season pass for oh, free. What I might do, yeah. though, is just wait for Titanfall 2, which is coming out on all platforms, and it'll be better. So, <clears throat> yeah. If you're not playing Destiny 2. Yeah, which I will be, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think anyone that's bought Titanfall, really, are going to buy the season pass. They've already bought it. Uh, Titanfall kind of... We spoke about it before as it kind of came and went as with a whimper, didn't it? Uh, it was too... It was too... Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was the nice guy in the office that no one... He's nice enough. He's fine, functional, but no one remembers him when they go home. Yeah, one and day it, you go, where's Ted? What happened to yeah. Ted? And they go, oh, he don't work here anymore. And you go, oh, I like Ted. Yeah, Ted was all right. Where's he gone? Yeah. Oh, I must... I must. Has anyone got his phone number? Oh, no, we never really did. You know, we liked him and stuff, but I, I don't think... Has Tim got his number? Because I know Tim hang around with him quite a bit. Oh, no... Tim, I asked him the other day, he hasn't got it. Oh, I'll have to check up on Facebook. And then you go home, meaning to check him up, Tim, on Facebook, but you forget, and the next day you're in, in work, and you're like, oh, oh, shit, I forgot to look up Tim on Facebook. It's that kind of thing. He doesn't <laughs> stay in the mind. I never think, oh, I must give Titanfall a go. Right, BBC Two to produce drama based on the making of Grand Theft Auto. Now, this is exciting because a lot of people were saying, oh, there's going to be a new drama based on the Grand Theft Auto. And I was like, how are they going to make that? Are they going to have, what's his name, James Nesbitt? They love all that, don't they? <laughs> uh, it's not. It's the making of Grand Theft Auto, which I think is amazing because Dan and Sam Hauser are very sort of secretive. And I think to open up the studio of Rockstar... While it might get away some of the mysticism surrounding it, it's really going to be exciting, isn't it, Don? Seattle. Yeah, I, I, I love seeing all the behind-the-scenes stuff of game, game, games being produced and what they did, all the stuff they went into that you didn't really realise and all the detail yeah. they checked out, all that stuff. Uh, and documentaries about video games in general is, uh, is a good thing, definitely. As long as they don't start with the usual, a video game is a piece <laughs> of interactive software was made, if they're going to be doing it, and I'm not sure BBC Two are the best to be doing it, please don't sort of go on about the controversy and have to get Sam and Dan, if you do get sat down with an interview with them, to try and justify themselves and justify why they include it. No one cares. You, you guys realise this isn't a documentary, right? What is it? It's a drama using the making of Grand Theft Auto as its, like, setting for the drama. It's got to be, like, actors and stuff. Just the plot no, is people making a video game. It's not. It is. BBC Two to produce drama based on the making of Grand Theft Auto. It's not a documentary. The Grand Theft Auto happened yonks ago. They can't... Well, keep talking and I'll read it. They can't travel back <laughs> in time and record them making a game they didn't record in the first place. This is going to be a show with actors in it acting out people who are making a video game called Grand Theft Auto V. So no. Presumably they're going to try and make this dramatic in some way, like some kind of tension or something. But what, how, what, how are they going to... What the fuck's the story going to be apart from people make video games? I don't know. That's, That's why it's so, so intriguing. Is. 
So that's John's going to go into the office and go, you right, Dave, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, I've just, uh, just, just done some, some more rendering. Yeah, I've done <laughs> some rendering on this tree. How many polygons has it got me? Oh, 12. I don't want to talk about this. I'm angry now. I was really excited. <laughs> All week I've been so excited about it. And it's going to... Oh. Why didn't you actually read the story then? <laughs> because I didn't have to. I just saw, like, a few days ago, I just... I do that a lot, though. I'll look at something, read it, and then I'll kind of manipulate it into what I want to read. And then that will become the fact. A documentary on the making of Grand Theft Auto V would have been awesome, you're right. Yeah. But they didn't record themselves making it, so there's no documentary. (laughs) I thought the BBC would go in and ask Dan and Sam Hauser and people in Rockstar Studio. I would have been more appreciative if you would have said, Rob, can I just stop you there? When I first started speaking, rather than ten player, <laughs> oh, that would have been rude of me. It would have been rude, but also would have saved us a lot of time. Well, we need to make up the hours. You know, we don't get to two-hour podcasts uh, <laughs> overnight. So, so if I was so if if you came around my house, yeah. perfectly platonic, and you know I had the toaster on, and I got a fork out, and I said, "Oh, I'm just going to bloody get this toast." Out of the toaster, I wouldn't say, "Can I just stop you there?" Because it would be rude. <laughs> well, if you would stop talking for two seconds, then I could jam my word in. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege or Siege opens <laughs> science up for closed multiplayer alpha. Now, now, what was it about this that we had an argument a few weeks about? Uh, Don thought it was something different, didn't he? Oh, I, I thought it was Battlefield Hardline. That's the one. You said, yeah, they, you're trying to, you're smashing into a house trying to save a woman. And me and Gareth are like, what the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> He's up in a flashback. But it was actually <laughs> talking about Rainbow Six Yege, uh, which is absolutely... <laughs> is that the new joke? That's the <laughs> new drive club joke. <laughs> that is Rainbow Six Yege. Um, <laughs> it's brilliant. The multiplayer alpha is limited to PC players in Boom. Europe and North America. Uh, you know, by all means, let them play the alpha. Uh, of all, do you reckon it'll be that level where they're all trying to save the woman? Yes. Yeah. Well, Don't there you go, guess. Don. Get on it. I, I was going to apply to be in this uh, alpha, but then but, my PC can't handle it. Oh. Yeah, this tends, tends to happen with alphas, is they'll just, they'll make one build of the game and in this case, it's just the like high graphics build. And then yeah. for the beta and the actual release, they'll make it so different kinds of PCs can play. It's like, you know, weaker PCs can play a version with lesser graphics and stuff. But for the alpha, yeah. they don't give a shit about that. They just want to get the game finished, and then they'll start like. Well, maybe it they want to. Well, they want to make it be able to run on its higher settings and sort of see if there's any bugs in the graphics and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, I, unfortunately, I won't be able to play it because my PC isn't good enough. But I'll be able to play in the beta and stuff. Hopefully. I think you should still play it, mate. Still still download it and go for it. I don't want it. my PC to explode. It'd be more exciting. You're trying to <laughs> take a woman plus hoping that your PC doesn't smash into your face. It's like a Mission Impossible episode. Yeah. With Leonard well, Nimoy. The- there you go. All you, ties back in, into itself. In the middle of the uh, in the of the middle of the room, trying to save him. <laughs> right. So, 
that was the news this week. Any other news, Gareth, that we haven't crammed in? Um, not that I'm aware of. Then that is the news. Now, I feel very sad that D-Double Street Fighter Rhythm was not included in last week's music section of the show. Why was that, Gareth? Um, you I promised just... me. I didn't promise. No, no, you did. Don, mm-hmm. help a brother out here. Wasn't he saying <laughs> that he will definitely play D-Double he would, Street he Fighter was... Rhythm? He definitely indicated in the direction of Street Fighter Rhythm yeah. being played. So this week, Gareth, you're going to play Street Fighter Rhythm plus the opening theme from Dying Light. Is that okay? Okay, but as long as everybody out there knows that if these two songs are bad, then okay, it's not my Okay, your fault. friends, Gareth, <laughs> can I put out a disclaimer now? All Gareth's friends in Manchester, all the members of his clan... <laughs> He didn't choose this song, okay? He has no sort of relation to it whatsoever. It is purely my it, choice. In fairness, I did listen to that um, opening track to Dying Light, and it is quite good. Yeah, it's very good. movie, and yeah, yeah. It's, it's really good. I, I listened to all three hours of the official soundtrack. Bloody hell. Oh my god! It's the double! Old type swerve on production. It's street fighting time. Round one fight. If it's me or my dad, you get a score in your chest like Saka. She fighting, that's what I'm bad at. My thing working perfect. I come through in the beat up on dark. Give mana on just slaps like Yonder. Give it the mic and let me ride them in them. Cause I speak the fire just like thou sound. I'm a Liverpool invader. Climbing to the top just like Vega. You be me, nobody can save ya. On the mic, I'm way too major. Cause I'm shocking them seeds like Blanca. I've got money in the bank, I'm a banker. You ain't got money in your bank, you're a wanker. I'm quick with the hooks like Bullrock. Get the razor jumping like a bullfrog. And I've been doing it for more than a while In the game I'm a soldier like Kyle So, cause you're big like Zangy Don't think you can ever try Big Man Green You don't wanna get into no Big Man B I'm here, if you wanna live it all I'm that Dyson Sucking up MCs like a Dyson You can spit bars if you wanna come a Dyson You can spit bars, give it your best Tyson Boss to the end like M. Bison In a war, start waving goodbye son Liverpool levels are too high son No word of a little lie son I'm perfect Like she fight a fall We just feel the cool man that she fight a fall Man, let me step in like the cares of the war Shake to your jaw Think it's a game like she fight a fall Would you fit the cool man that she fight a fall Man, let me step in like the cares of the war Shake to your jaw When my TV hits the shelf Bet you any money, no one's gonna buy you I'm a Liverpool black belt like Ryu I'm the original like Bruce Lee You're just an imitation like Phelong I come out to crew all day long One by one, when it stays on Show me the money, yeah, pay me the one Cause I want a big belly like Rufus If I don't get that, I'm going on Rufus Hurricane kick will leave a man toothless Try what you want, your combos are useless I'm a weak consumer Get my eyeballs red like a kuma Everybody's waiting, it's gonna be sooner D-W-P, it's not a rumor Like she fight a fall With your friend of cool man, that she fight a fall Man, let me step in at the gears of the wall Straight to your jaw Think it's a game that she fight a fall Would you fit the cool man that she fight a fall Man that be stepping like the gears on the wall Straight to your jaw In the final fight I'm the guy God. Everyone wants to be my Cody Cause you know you won't be able To get a perfect or get close Let me give him a lyrical dose Just like chicken pure man get rose As soon as I bust my sofa Old school G Just like Gookin Hit him with the R you can Little Lucan Match my level Let's see if you can Beat this Let's see if you can You be the judge You be the jury Look into my 
my eyes See the fury, you'll be pissed Like a Marie, sick in the end, no money can cure me Like she fight a fall, we can finna call man that she fight a fall Man, I'm stepping like the kids on the wall Shake to your jaw, think it's a game like she fight a fall Would you fit the cool man that she fight a fall? Man never stepping like the kids on the wall Shake to your jaw Bloco, bloco just heard were the uh, air quotes musical stylings of D-double-E with his song uh, Street Fighter Rhythm that's how it's spelt uh, so if you want to go and listen to that again for some reason now you know how um, now onto some actual video game music which uh, just like Street Fighter Rhythm Rob uh, also requested but I'm pleasantly surprised with his choice uh, for the second song um it's from the soundtrack to Dying Light, uh, which came out a few weeks ago. Uh, it's been uh, received very well by people, and uh, the soundtrack is actually uh, pretty cool. It has a lot of influences of like 80s horror, very synthy, very creepy, and I think it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, it was composed by, I hope I'm getting this name right, uh, Pavel Blaschak. Uh, difficult name to pronounce and spell. But I'm sure if you look up the uh, Dying Light official soundtrack, you're able to find all the details on it. Um, so I'm going to play you, uh, it's the main menu theme from the soundtrack to Dying Light. Again, synthy, 80s horror, keep those in your mind when you listen to it. Uh, it sets a really good picture for the game. So this is from the original soundtrack to Dying Light, and the track is called Horizon.
Well, today's feature, we're going to be looking at open worlds. They are becoming more and more prevalent in gaming today. People obviously love them. Games benefit from them. But do they automatically make a game better? No, they don't. There are good examples, but much like everything else, there is also bad examples. The term open world has been around for many years, and now it is more popular than ever, to give the players a choice in how the adventure unfolds. This year alone, we will see two very popular franchises in Final Fantasy and Zelda embrace the open world genre. If ever there was an indicator on where gaming is headed in the next 10 years, then surely this is. Should it be the future, though? Are developers using open worlds full of hidden collectibles to prolong playtime? Where does this leave the more linear games? And have we already reached the zenith with landmark games such as Grand Theft Auto V and Skyrim? Well, guys, this is a very interesting feature this week. We're not going to try and be funny. We're going to be very intellectual. We're going to get our intellectual heads on and we're going to go for it big time. So we could say that uh, Grand Theft Auto on the PlayStation 1 was an early example of free roaming or sandbox, as Don likes to call it. Uh, I, f- I think I think we can all say that was one of our earliest memories. What was your earliest memory, Gareth, of an open world game? Of an open world? Well, I mean, uh, what we know as an open world has kind of changed a bit over yeah. time. Like, when I was uh, in my early teens, I would probably have said, like, Ocarina of Time was an open world game, but I don't I think it is now. I was just thinking that exact same thing. It's definitely not an open world game. No, there, are, there are elements there. Yeah. But it's just, it's a world. It's not an open world. Uh, it's interconnected spaces. Yeah, I, I think... by lanes. <laughs> yes. I think probably my uh, earliest open world will have been Fallout 3, when I first got my Xbox 360. Yeah. Um, and it kind of blew my mind because I'd never been in a world that was that massive and full of stuff before. Apart from our world that we live in. Yes. Apart, yeah. <laughs> apart from the mean streets of Stockport where I lived. Yeah. Uh, no, you no... live in Manchester, Gareth. Well, I, I do now. You're not, you're not a full Mancunian. Stockport is in Manchester. Oh, okay. But that it's like just a... shows my... In ignorance, it's like it's one of those shitty towns on the outside of Manchester. Oh, so you're proper dirty. Like I, I am filth. <laughs> you are the lowest of the low. I'm a ragamuffin. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but yeah, Fallout Three for me, I reckon, is my first experience with a full, true open world. Yeah. And uh, at that point in time, because uh, basically, my the best game I'd ever played up until that point was Ocarina of Time. Just in my head, if I thought, what's the best game I've ever played? It was always Ocarina of Time. And that was the first game I'd played since playing Ocarina of Time where I thought, oh shit, this is better than Ocarina of Time. Yeah. So for me, Fallout 3 was kind of a huge deal. Uh, but but going back a bit, um, it wasn't really until the PlayStation 2 uh, that we could experience the potential of a 3D open world. And we're talking about sort of Ocarina of Time and stuff like that but they were very much interconnected. And you still see those kind of games now where, you know, Destiny, we talk about open world, but it's not truly open world in that you've got a hub and then you can connect to other sort of worlds and regions. And that's pretty similar to the way Zelda was built as well. I'm not saying it was as fast as Destiny, but, you know, you were very aware of when you were going from one 
sort of expansive land to the next. Yeah, yeah. And there were um, games like Smuggler's Run for the PS2, yeah. where uh, you were in a car and you were just driving wherever you wanted in this world. But they were very sparse and it was just, there wasn't yeah. much to do. Uh, whereas it was really like uh, PS3 and Xbox 360 and, you know, the Grand Theft Auto games on the PS2. Um, Grand Theft Auto 3. Yeah, which, uh, which ushered us into actual open worlds. But if if you read like kind of magazine articles at the time, uh, it didn't generate much interest at all. And uh, people were saying that it was kind of unfocused. It was a bit strange to be in this open world. Uh, but obviously when it was released, it, after that, the floodgates opened and you had stuff like True Crime Streets of LA, which is one of Don's favourite games. Uh, <laughs> arguably Driver 3, although Driver 2 was uh, 3D open world. Uh, that was on the PlayStation 1, but it suffered a lot of pop-up pop and choppy graphics. Did you play Driver 2, Don? Uh, no, I played Driver 1 and uh, yeah. Driver San Francisco. Driver Driver 2 was... Uh, you, you could get out of your car, but you kind of looked like a stick man with <laughs> Parkinson's. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't too good. Uh, but then... That that was kind of I don't know if you guys remember when the open world sort of exploded with stuff like racing games. Uh, Need for Speed adopted an open world uh, in Paradise. my mind. Burnout Paradise, but that was that was a few years later, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, because you obviously had Burnout Two, Burnout Three, Takedown, um, Burnout Revenge, and they weren't in the open world mold. But you had Need for Speed. Underground One and Two, mm. which were fantastic games. Midnight Club, Los Angeles, uh, Midnight Club, Dub Edition. That was fantastic. LA Rush, which was awful. But <laughs> a lot of games, especially racing, seemed to benefit from it. Uh, then Superheroes got in on the act. Uh, Phenomenal Spider Man Two. Yeah. Uh, that, now, that was a fantastic game, Gareth. It was. Incredible. And that was developers looking at open world and thinking how could they sort of bring what they had to an open world, if you get what I mean. Yeah, you could, you could be at one end of New York and say, I'm going to go right to that other end. And you could just go there in one straight line, just seamless. Yeah. It felt awesome to be Spider-Man. And, and what about you, Don? Can you remember a game in the PlayStation 2, Xbox, GameCube era... That kind of stood out for you? Yeah, it would have been, it would have been GTA 3, um, really, for me. GTA 3 and then GTA Vice City immediately after it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I still remember the very first time I, I saw GTA 3. I was around a mate's house um, the morning of his wedding. And... Um, <laughs> Um, his uh, one of his other one of his other mates had bought his PlayStation Two around a couple of days before while they were just hanging out and stuff and playing games, and he had GTA Three. I'd never played it before. Didn't have a PS Two at the time. Um, I turned up there because I was one of the um, one of the groomsmen or whatever the hell you call it. Um, and before the oh yeah, that's <laughs> for the wedding. We thought, well, just play on this, and, and I got hold of it, and he just put in the, the cheat to uh, give you infinite weapons and all that. You get your oh, weapon in the game straight away. <laughs> never played before and I was just totally amazed at A, how big it was B, that oh. you could just run around everywhere and, yeah, thanks and, <laughs> uh, 
uh, and but mostly it was it was just the way the the game reacted to you uh, being there. It wasn't just linear and scripted. It was really reactive um, to you. The police um, and the, and the army and everything was insane. But just, <laughs> I just opened the first thing I did. Obviously, when I got all this massive machine gun, was I know just opened fire on this. Just people just wandering down the street. And I think that's what it was. It? Yeah, and I'm like, hang on, I can do anything here. And then the police turn up and you think, hang on, the game is reacting to what I'm doing. So I started taking yeah. out the police with this machine gun. I'm like, I'm literally invincible. Then some feds turned up and they were held at bay. And eventually a police car came charging through the kind of blockade they put up of other cars and cops shooting at me and just rammed me into a building, crushing me between the building and the police car. And then the police got out of the police car and kind of stood and looked at my body. And I just thought, this is fucking amazing. I've never seen a game just do this sort of thing to, to actually defeat me. It just crushed me against the building with a car. Yeah, fight. Because they literally fight back with a, a method that I've never thought it would actually think of doing. But it did. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was incredible. And, and that, uh, yeah, and that's, that's what I'm talking about. That That is the kind of... Uh, the young side of it and it feels very young because like you say I would turn the game on I'd go to my friend's house and we wouldn't play it in a conventional manner we would just literally put all the cheats on and see who could survive the longest yeah, and there exactly. was games built out of living in the, an open world and there were games that you would make yourself like how long could you stay in a tank for without, without it blowing up and it's it's things like that the wonderment of these first open worlds the kind of forebearers that you don't really feel now. You don't put in Assassin's Creed and think, you know what, I'm just going to go mad. I'm going to see what I can do in this world because we've kind of hit that plateau where we we can't... You don't get that same sort of wonder anymore in open world. You don't just start shooting everything or killing everyone in Assassin's Creed because you pretty know, pretty much know where the end point's going to be. And it, I don't think think these open worlds now for one reason or another they don't have that same wonder you don't feel that you just want to go in even on gta 5 you don't feel that you want to go in there and create all this havoc because it kind of you've been there you've done it and it was that kind of i don't know what the innocence of these early games where you just wanted to get in there and test it and try and break it and see if it would push back which it did and it was so fantastic like you say don to get the army just turn up because you've been such a dick <laughs> but but that was it it was variety. Yeah. there's nothing worse sorry don no yeah you're right it's 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 how, it's the way that there's so many options of things that can just happen spontaneously either you doing them or the game reacting to what you're doing that is just completely unconventional it's there's not yeah. you know there's no linear pattern you're not going to do a and b is definitely going to happen there's a whole bunch of other, a bunch of shit that could happen. There's a bunch of random things all happening at the same time. There's other people on the road. There's other cars, other vehicles, there's other players. Um, all that stuff just interacts. And there's so many different variables that, that you can end up having just totally unique experiences just yeah, by wandering through. That's what puts GTA above everything else. But totally. it's, it's, it's about variety as well. And nothing worse than seeing the same textures repeated infinity, infinity, ad infinitium. Is that a word? <laughs> I'm and infinitum. Yeah, infinitum. It used to be enough to just have buildings and roads in the early days, like GTA 3. It was such an amazing achievement. But then by the time you got the likes of San Andreas, we demanded the ability to swim, fly in planes, enter buildings. And there's three very vast different areas in Los Santos, San Fierro and San Andreas. Obviously, try not to make this feature 
be a love letter to Grand Theft Auto, but it is sort of the the one we put on the pedestal when it comes to open worlds. And like you say, Dom, in GTA 3, it was kind of like getting the police, shooting people, seeing how far you could get. With more GTAs, we demanded the ability to be able to swim to get away from the police. Also bringing in sort of fighter planes and jets into that as well and causing as much mayhem as possible. And yep. that that was fantastic. Um, but like I say, and I think we got that earlier, we don't seem to see it progress in the open worlds. It's like the more powerful the hardware, the harder it is to add all of this diversity because of the time and effort it will take. And I, do you see what I mean by that? In yeah. that, it's the, if, if if it's more powerful, you can add more things. But at the same time, the more things you add, the more detail you have to add to them. So it's like it's creating a rod for its own back. Well, the, the um, thing is though, like that didn't stop the guys behind Grand Theft Auto Five. Like when they ported that game over to the new consoles, they redid every single fucking inch of that game. So it was HD yeah. and beautiful and perfect. And you, you're not going to see that level of dedication from anyone else. But what I'm saying, Gareth, is the kind of wanted level is still very similar to that of Grand Theft Auto 3. Kind of pushing those boundaries. You know what's going to happen when yeah. you do it in G- GTA. You know you're going to get the local police, police, SWAT, army, helicopters. You know, you know, the, you know it. So you're not so much interested in pushing the boundaries. And I think that's that's what's going down now. I don't know how you could take it on, on further. Obviously, I, I don't, I don't, I don't work for these companies, but there's well, got the to be something the, else. The next big game that's using this is Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah. Phantom Pain. That's going open world. So it's it's going to be interesting to see Kojima's take on this, oh, how much detail I... he's put into it, what, I... whether he's going to allow you to actually go and just fuck about like you can in GTA. I don't know if it's an open world though I think it's just a huge map I think there's a difference is there going to be like a little town off to the side where you can go do whatever you want or is there just going to be one objective it's going to be the sort of similar of Destiny where you're going to have your home base aren't you which is sort of like an oil rig which kind of takes on Mass Effects Normandy Uh, what do you call it is it the Citadel in yeah uh, yeah, it's going to kind of be like that and then you're going to fly out to different sort of like we say again, an old-fashioned style. You got your base, and then you go off into different levels. But then right. the levels themselves are open plan. I don't know. I've, I, mean, I've, I, I don't know. I've, it is difficult. So all I've seen of, of Metal Gear Solid Five so far is there's a lot of horse riding, and yeah. But there's a lot. I mean, there, there seems to be a lot of interaction that you can spontaneously create. Like if you see trucks driving down the road, yeah, you you can get your horse to dump a load of horse shit in the middle of the road that will make the car stop and you can then hijack that car or that truck or whatever it is take all the people yeah. out uh, and ambush them but whether that is just a simple you know one of few game mechanics within that within the environment it, it it's still wasted it's still uh, it just it's yet to be seen really I think and that's, what, that's but, what all good open world games should do and yeah you, know, you should be able to just dick around yeah <laughs> literally do, do stupid things that you're not supposed to technically do with yeah. items, you know, use them in ways they're not technically made for in the real world, and just fuck around with them and have fun. It should inspire you. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Can I can I do this? Can I tie a fucking air balloon to a pig and see if it and and then shoot the pig out of the sky and have it land on a landmine, which will then blow up <laughs> yeah. uh, something else and all that kind of stuff. Can I put? Can I get my 
horse through a line of shit all the way across the road and lead the car into uh, into a minefield that I've created myself. You know, and it's yeah. things like that next to a goat. And, and it's things like that that get you wondering. And that's where things like Far Cry 4 fall down for me. Mm. In that, you know, you don't want to experiment in the world. The world's there. You feel that you're just in it. And it's it's just there as a game world. It's a very good game mechanically, but I think it's the variety of locations and places to explore is what let it down. The feeling of experimentation and stuff is very similar to Far Cry 3. And that just doesn't want to make you go out exploring. Mm-hmm. You just think that this is what you have presented to you and you don't feel inspired by it because you feel that you've been there, done that. And it's only really the gameplay mechanics that save it because it is fun to play. It's It feels nice. I wouldn't call it fun. It's nice. It feels good. The guns feel great. But as a game world, you don't want to go off exploring. You don't really want to experiment. And I think that's the sort of way we're going into uh, open world games. Do you know what I mean? Where Far Cry 4 is good, but it's not a great example of an open world for me. Yeah, it's a, got it's got there's severe limits attached to it. You you know there's a, there's, there's it's it's what we're hoping that isn't going to be in Metal Gear Five. You, you where there's just certain there's a limited number of actions that will have specific repercussions that happen. You know you can do X to cause Y. Yeah, it's a bit of fun, but that's the limit of that action. It will always cause A will always cause B will always cause C, and that's the, the sum that's the sum total of the, of, of those particular actions. That's what we. That's what you get in playing a game like Far Cry 4, which is fun to an extent, like you say, but after a while, you, you are just essentially repeating the same thing. You're going to always get the same outcomes. You want yeah. to be able to do completely insane nuts things that make no real sense in the real world, um, and therefore they're a lot more fun. Well, the, the <laughs> thing is, like, you know, E3 this year, Bethesda have their own press conference. So they mm. could, for mm. all we know, announce Fallout 4, which will presumably yeah. have a new massive open world and we could be saying that it's innovative and amazing in all these ways that we're saying now a game probably can't be so you know yeah that's it you always wanted to be surprised and see what people could do with open worlds um but like we're saying with something like metal gear is solid free uh snake eater you know we we talk about these sort of interconnected wells and each kind of you know you went into a loading screen and the screen would go dark and then you'd be presented with sort of a building and you were that was pretty much open planning the way that you approach that and hopefully what Kojima can do is get that inventiveness but spread it across a whole map and that's going to be hard to do but uh, for me it's where Dying Light um, excels uh, before you've become bored with the layout of the original map you were then sent to an entirely new one. Yeah. Um, the mechanics don't change, but it looks different, different architecture. The jumps are just that little bit further away and difficult to make. The zombies are a little bit more ferocious. The buildings are taller, so one cock up and you fall to your death rather than the forgiving <laughs> shelters on the first island. It adds to the sense of progression that says, OK, you ran around freely for the last 10 hours, but now you're going to use everything you've learned and step up over the last 10 hours to survive this island. And I think that's very important in that it ups the difficulty with you. An open world 
should carry on because I think um, a lot of these games are happy to just give you a set environment that never changes, like Far Cry 4. And it believes, I believe that these games actually get easier the further you get in. Similar with Assassin's Creed and Saints Row, you start off with pretty much the basics and it's a challenge from the start. But like Far Cry 4, towards the end you feel like a human tank and it becomes quite boring. Um, sort of Saints Row the Fall. As well, you pretty much become a superhuman by the end of that. And you know, you're j- jumping around, jumping over buildings, gliding. And, they, and these games they they make you feel like a powerful god and by the time you're towards the end of Far Cry 4 you're basically just obliterating outposts because you've got all the best weapons, you've got all the best armour you've increased your health bar you know, you're able to just take people out you're able to grab hold of them and throw a knife at someone else at the same time and I think this is what Dying Light's done which is very good is that you know, you get this fur it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination but you get this first open world and then you take everything you've learnt from that one and all the skills you've gained in the skill tree and you then apply them to a world that's harder to traverse uh, a world that's got more zombies Uh, it's slightly different looking Uh, it's more of a town than a shanty town of the first island and it, it asks you to then survive in this one using everything that you've learnt before so I think that's really well, and it's something that's, that's good. Skyrim's a good example of it as well, where you meet a new monster when you reach a certain level. But the downside to Skyrim is you never felt like a complete badass in the game, and I suppose there's upsides and downsides. You know, in Far Cry 4, you feel that you've reached the pinnacle of what you can be, and you feel great, but at the same time, it becomes a bit easier. But then in Skyrim, you never really feel that you're above all the other enemies in the game because they they level up with you as it were and um, we know you love Skyrim Gareth it's the greatest game ever made and uh, there we go up until uh, Grand Theft Auto 5 I probably would have said it's the best open world ever made but I, I really do think Grand Theft Auto 5 uh, overtook it I yeah. mean the good news for Skyrim is that everything else in that game is also maybe the best of its type um, so you know it doesn't rely on the open world to make it a fantastic game because it already has like excellent story and excellent RPG elements and excellent characters and excellent uh, like uh, gameplay so it, it doesn't yeah. need the open world to be the best ever um, no and that's 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 where it that's where it does excel like you say in its mythology and its lore and you know you don't mind that there's large expanses of terrain because it all feels like it's part of this world and it's got such a deep history and and there's books and books you can read. Yeah, there'll be times when you'll just be in Skyrim and you'll be running uh, around. You'll just be exploring and you'll come across... I remember one time I came across a burned-down house Yeah, and you're like, okay, this is weird. And you look what was inside the house and there was a skeleton and uh, on the floor was a pentagram drawn uh, and like candles at each of the points of the pentagram. And yeah. then, like, fl- uh, like scorch marks would come from the candle and, like, set some furniture on fire. So, obviously, this person was trying to do, like, a hellish ritual and accidentally burnt their house down and, like, yeah. got set on fire inside. Nothing explains that to you. There's no, like, no. quest that takes you there. I just happened to be walking past and discovered this all by myself. And, and that's, that's what... Yeah. I love that about uh, Skyrim. And Grand Theft Auto Five will do little things like that as well. Like, uh, mm. the sort of, um, the cave... Uh, paintings and stuff. 
Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's what I love about open worlds is it's not spelled out for you. You are rewarded for the time you put in uh, exploring. Yeah. And that and that is what is a great open world. And like I say, it's the difference between something like Saints Row, Far Cry 4 and Assassin's Creed and that you don't get that itch to want to explore. And like you say in Skyrim, I remember when I found a dog in a hut <laughs> and that dog followed me. And it felt so great because I'd found this dog in this massive map and there was this little hut in the middle of nowhere just because I went off the beaten path. And it felt like, you know, I had found that and this dog was with me until it unfortunately got killed. But, (laughs) you know, Skyrim's full of all of those moments in you just see this great expanse of land and you're like, I'm just going to walk in this direction. Fuck it. And you, and, you, and you come across, like you say, your own stories and things that happened, or you'll get accosted by a bandit. Yeah, the, 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 it, there's one amazing one in, um, sorry to keep going on, uh, Fallout New Vegas, uh, yeah. where there's just some hut and you go inside, and again, nothing spelled out for you, um, but there's two guys uh, dead on either side of a table, and they both like got guns, so they both shot each other. And they were playing a game of poker... And both of them had put their hand down and they both had four aces. Yeah. So it's obviously they were both cheating at, uh, you know, cards and both shot each other. But again, it's, it's not a quest. I just happened to find that place and this little story was inside just contained. I felt like, you know, may, maybe I was the only person to have seen that. Who knows? Maybe nobody else will have yeah. checked this specific little corner of the map. It's just a great feeling. And it is. It's, it's that sense of wonder in that you can literally just go out and that's that's what I say. There's then two different types of open world, where the open world is completely part of the game, and it is a part of the character. But then you get open worlds that the open world is just the basis in which they use to play the game. It doesn't feel that it's part of the world. It feels that, that it's a world that your character just happens to be in. And that, and I think those are the two different. So. That's the sort of the present, but the future, we're looking at games that are going to be joining this, and it's the likes of Zelda and Final Fantasy. Don, is this going to be a positive? Are we going to miss out on what these the linear games can give us, or is Zelda and Final Fantasy going to benefit from moving into the open world genre? Well, it's certainly going to be a fundamental shift in the way the games are played, especially, um, uh, especially Zelda. Um, I mean... Like we were saying earlier, things um, Ocarina of Time. First time you kind of hit Hyrule Field and you just have this huge expanse in front of you, and you kind of think, "Where am I supposed to go? I can kind of wander around anywhere. There's caves over there, and there's a path over there to a desert, and there's a castle over there in the distance." And you do kind of feel like you've got a massive range of choices, but of course you you don't really. You have to do things in a certain order. Mm. Um, so that will actually you know and that will actually was actually part of the telling of the story of the game as well it was to make sure that you 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 got all the lore of all the how the characters had interacted how, what the gorons were and um how the gerudos are you know related to um to the history of uh, of hyrule and all the rest of it and how it all relates to the kingdom and all the, everything so it, it wanted to make sure you got all the information um that went through the story of zelda whereas Going open world and being able to do things obviously means you're going to be able to miss things. Presumably, you're not going to have to complete everything or you know every task in the game or every every dungeon in the game. Maybe who knows? Um, which means potentially you're going to 
not see all the story. But that means you're going to, as long as the game is good, you know, is, is good, great to play, which traditionally Zelda games are, you'd hope they've managed to maintain that, then um, uh, you're going to want to go back and, and discover all those things, go off the beaten track, like you say, find little caves full of um, a little pool to go fishing in, um, <laughs> find a load of... Um, yeah load of navvy bugs there's the bounce be a bunch of navvies in there somewhere um if one isn't automatically your friend um to go hunting for things like that and all those kind of side quest things which are traditional in zelda as well but now you're going to have even more choice i guess of what you do and don't uh, it's, it's hard to know what they're going to do with nintendo when it comes to their their version of the open world because uh, they they do generally try and do things a little bit differently do things their own way a little bit um and they're going to want you to 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 find every um, to, to complete every uh, every dungeon in the game, so they're going to probably set waypoints. I would think you know, like you're going to have until you do it. You know, you can go anywhere you want, but until you do X, you know, X, X dungeon, you can't actually yeah. progress to a certain other part of the game. That's probably what they're going to end up doing, um, and, and that's perfectly fine, I think. Um, but it depends how much stuff they add in, you know, side quest wise, and just being able to wander around and do stuff. I don't, for the minute, think it's going to be. You know, like GTA or, or even necessarily Skyrim, where you're going to come across all kinds of random things that don't actually have any effect on anything other than just to give you some a, a personal, you know, adventure in the game that you've only just, you know, something that you feel like you've only discovered yourself. Um, I really doubt that's going to be the case with with Zelda. Um, Do you know what I would? What would make me care about Zelda's <laughs> open world more is if they don't just give you a poner. If they say. <laughs> There's some wild horses in this area of the map. Go and yeah. capture your own horse. That would be a good idea. Because then I would be like, well, I want to go here on my horse because it's my fucking horse. If it, you know, opponent's just like a brown horse. Like, it's not that exciting. <laughs> oh, dear, here we go. If, the, if there was just like, you know, a field with a ton of horses and then like, maybe it takes you like a long time to like track your horse and chase it and... Maybe and you, you pick like... And spoilers and stuff on it. <laughs> maybe you're like... There's a like a a black like a black beauty style horse. I want that one. Or like there's a blonde yeah. horse. I want that one. You know, like something that would make me asked about yeah, traversing it, that world. Because if it is just Wind Waker, except instead of a boat, it's a horse, then I couldn't care less. But if that horse is something that I took like an hour and a half to track down and capture and make my own, then that would be yeah. amazing. If you if you get to choose your own horse effectively. You know, from a whole selection, you can go out hunting horses, or you can ditch the one you've got and and break in another horse later on in the game oh. if you if you found another one. Um, yeah. Then yeah, because it does that thing of, of personalising the game, you know, to what you know to you specifically, or that little bit yeah. that makes you care a bit more about yeah, about your game. Yeah, in these games that you feel you've earned rather than being given makes it uh, feel that much more yeah. personal to you. Mm. Yeah, if it's unique to you as well, you know, you, I, I've chosen the. You know this big fucking white horse instead of the brown one, or oh, Gareth, uh, you know, or... Would. <laughs> <laughs> then then yeah, definitely. Um, I kind of and I hope that's kind of what they're going to try and do a little bit with it, but I don't know how much they can do that with with Zelda. Um, uh, I don't know, but when see uh, Nintendo do surprises quite often, <laughs> and hopefully they will do so with something uh, quite quite special in this one. Well. Um, on a on a on a closing note, I think, as well as them being p- potentially good and showing all the goodness that open worlds can bring, there is also the negative side, where they fill their open worlds with crap. 
And I mean, <laughs> sort of Assassin's Creed. No, but we know sort of Assassin's Creed has been guilty of it in, yeah. you know, collect a hundred pages or you'll get something strewn about the map. And it's just completely ludicrous. And I would rather personally have these sort of Skyrim moments where you go and find things that are not explicitly told to you rather than being told that someone's lost 50 pages of their journal that you now have to go around the world and find. We need to get away from that, surely. No one Does anyone enjoy that? Do they, do they look in their sort of thing of things to do in the game and it says no, objective fetch quests, fetch, fetch quests yeah. need to need to need to stop being a, a thing when it's you know collect 50 of these find 200 of those kill 39 of these it, it yeah that's just it's just repetitive and obvious bloating yeah. to lengthen you know to lengthen out the, the game to make it seem artificially bigger than it really is that it's, stuff uh, there should be no need for that in a, in a real open world game gta has proved that time and again you don't need that kind of hand-holding, forced nonsense to, to make you want to play a game like that. Yeah, I was going to ask Gareth, is, did GTA V do away with all the hidden packages and stuff like that? Because um, I don't recall there ever being... Because I remember in GTA Four there was kind of like the pigeons yeah. that you could shoot, and there was um, hidden packages... But I think GTA Five pretty much done away with all of that, didn't it? You're right, actually. Yeah, I don't recall anything of that nature being around. Uh, maybe I just I didn't there find was, any. <laughs> I knew there was newspaper articles about that, uh, uh, some form of woman. What? There, there was newspaper articles of a woman who was. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh... Just Yeah, so there was a woman <laughs> in GTA 5. Uh, I think that's someone Johnson. Apparently, it was a, a relative of some people thought it was of uh, Carl Johnson in GTA San Andreas, a relative. Um, about a murder or something, and you could complete collect these newspaper articles, but I never did it. Huh. But that was the only sort of collector from things that I can remember being in the game. Um, I d- no, I feel like when you can turn on all the different icons on the map, I feel like I would chase what around certain ones, and I don't remember why. It's okay. Just try and think about it, and we'll get back to you in the future. <laughs> right, so that's it. They can, I think we've come to the realisation that they can be a good thing. They're here to stay, uh, but we want less of the fetching. Less of it. Okay, Gareth? Okay. <laughs> So, what have we been playing this week? We play games. Uh, Gareth, do you want to get us started with your indie game of the week, which is also recommended for keeping children entertained? <laughs> uh, Hotline Miami 2, I've been playing this week. It's actually Hotline Miami 2, wrong number. 
It is. Uh, I've been looking yeah. forward to this game for a while. Uh, the release date only got given to us like a week ago. So I was looking forward to it already and then all of a sudden we knew it was coming out uh, on Tuesday and then I was suddenly super excited. Uh, so I got it and I've been playing it quite a lot. And you may, if you follow video games, know that this game got some fairly middling to bad reviews. Did it? Yeah, from a, a couple of websites. Um, but I've been having a fantastic time. Uh, I fucking love it. Um, it does a lot of uh, really intelligent things to one-up the previous game. Uh, so, I guess for people who don't know, Hotline Miami 2 is like a pixely, um, top-down action game that's incredibly brutal. Like, there's blood everywhere. There's, like, just horrible things going on on screen. Horrible violence. Um, but it's all done in this top-down, pixely way. So it's kind of... It's brutal, but it's all pixels. So it's kind of hard to... Uh, to get too hung up about it, which is how they get away with a lot of the fucked up shit. They yeah, do. but it's still not an excuse to let children play it. Oh no, no! Uh, no. You literally bash people's brains out of their head, and then the brain is on the floor, like it's yeah. fucked up. Um, but this is the sequel, and you know, with a lot of sequels, you have to improve. You can't just make the same game again, and uh, yes. you know, slap a two on the end, and people will be happy about it. So they've done that. They've made. Uh, the story a lot more robust. Uh, in the last game, it was just sort of an excuse to get from level to level. Really, there was a tiny bit of story if you were paying it a lot. Very, it had a very dream-like quality, didn't it? Yeah, it's but very... I think it had a deeper meaning, didn't it, Gareth? Well, it was very um, drug-fueled. <laughs> yeah, I didn't that... understand a word of it. Yeah, that game was set in the eighties, and there was a lot of drugs being done, uh, and it showed because every character was kind of off their nuts. On drugs. Was you even able to see the deeper meaning behind it? Uh, no, not really. Oh, no. It was a deeply unpleasant kind of frame of mind to be in. Really fun, but yeah, it's just fucked up violence and horrible things happening and drugs everywhere. Uh, So the second game, they insert a lot of story. Like, kind of of a shocking amount of story. I'm really into it, uh, because I prefer games to have story than not, but it's like the story takes place in like three different times at once like um once at the end of the 80s once like mid 90s and then like somewhere in between um and you take there's like dozens of different characters in this game you keep swapping between and you play as a different character yeah people said that was a negative don't they yeah i i don't see it as that at all there's like there's a a cop who just is murderous uh he's instead of you know doing the cop thing, he just mows people down. You play as a writer who can't kill people, so that adds a whole different dynamic uh, to the game. Yeah. You play as like some mobsters who are taking out um, other gangs and stuff. That You can play as a, a group of vigilantes who, um, inspired by the character from the first game, are going around killing all uh, evil people. Um, so there's a lot going on. I, I think can't... that's actually good, though, Gareth, because in the first game probably like many people, I just stuck with the real, really the one mask yeah. that I preferred. I, I think I went with the tiger one with the strength where yeah. you could just pretty much knock people down first time and bang. Cause that's all I felt that I needed. So it didn't really make me, uh, experiment with the gameplay. Yeah. Which uh, is probably what you have to do now. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. So this game, you know, one level you might be playing is the guy you uh, can't kill people. The next you'll get a choice, uh, between, 
the vigilantes who like one of them has that tiger mask where you punch people and they die. Yeah. Uh, one of them has like a combat roll, so you can like roll underneath bullets. It's like if somebody's shooting at you, you can roll underneath the bullets, get up and just knock them down, and that's like really satisfying. There's a guy who, it's him and his sister. And you control them like kind of both at once. One always has guns and one always has a chainsaw. Okay. Uh, and that's like a completely different way to play. Uh, there's a guy who's a a bear mask and he just has two Uzis. Yeah. Uh, and he can like shoot um, uh, like in the same direction or he can like spread his arms out and shoot either side of him. So like there's a load of different options. And the game sort of, instead of just pick which one of these you like most. The game will force you to play a certain ones of those. So, like, every level is a different experience. Instead of, in the first Hotline Miami, like you said, you pick a way you want to play, and you just keep playing that way because it works. Yeah, but doesn't that mean that you sometimes get levels that you're like, oh, I don't want to be this guy, or I really want to get back to playing as the other? Uh, Not really, because there aren't any unsatisfying ways to play Hotline Miami. Like, playing as just the guy who kills people by punching him is awesome. Because you just leg it into a room and you're just like, bang, bang, bang! Just knocking people's heads off with punches. Um, Like, that's really satisfying. Also, to just be someone with a chainsaw mowing people down. And then when you need a bit of backup with a gun, you have a guy stood behind you who's just always got his gun ready. Like, there's no bad way to play Hotline Miami. Uh, They've made the maps a lot bigger, which, you know, it's a sequel. You have to improve the scope um, which they've done a lot of people have said online that the complaint is that they get shot off screen a lot so like you'll just be running around and then shots will come from off screen and kill you Um, I think a lot of that has to do with these people who played the first game one way and just want to stick with that way yeah that's it yeah that would be probably the problem I would have yeah because you can't like uh, I'm playing on PC so like left shift will uh, let you see a lot further. So what yeah. you're supposed to do is, like, you know, be scoping out what's coming up ahead. So if you know there's a guy with a gun, like, you have to be wary of him and all this stuff. I think people just go into that game and just barge in and just do whatever they want. And they're yeah, like, oh, I, I got I shot was, from off screen. I was watching a guy on Twitter, and I think I was getting more and more wound up by watching him. <laughs> okay. Because he would keep doing the same thing. Hotline Miami is about surveying your environment and adapting yeah. and learning from it if you make a mistake. When you watch some people, they don't seem to understand that, you know, there's a pattern to the way things work. And they'll do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome, which will never come, if you know what I mean, because it's set in what it does. It's like you can do a perfect run and feel great about it, but you have to hit those beats. You have to do the, the thing in the right way. And some people just seem to think that they can do the same thing over and over again and get a different result. When it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. And what I've really liked about this game, a lot more than the first game, is that because the maps are so much bigger and you do need to sort of take your time and be looking for what's coming up ahead. Okay, there's a guy with a gun in two rooms, so I need to be sure to take him out first. And then if I take him out, is there anyone else with a gun about? Okay, yeah, there's a guy in here. So you need to sort of plan it out in your head. But there's like, you know, you'll start a level and there'll be like two different ways to go and you'll do like 15 minutes worth you'll say if there's a top way and a a bottom way you'll go the bottom way and you'll try and go this way for ages and you'll be making some progress but then you might hit a point of like right I'm almost doing this every time but I keep fucking up near the end so then you can just say right okay next time I start I'm just going to go the top way instead 
And what I found is that a lot of the times, if I go the bottom way, say like 10 times in a row, and I sort of know what's going on in the bottom way, and then I think, right, I'm not completing the level this way, I'll try the other way. Like, my knowledge of the bottom way means that when I'm doing the top way, I know that like, okay, so I know this room links to the room down there that's got the guy with the shotgun in, so I want to be careful. Yeah, you kind of get a whole picture of the, the, the layout of the room and what happens. Exactly. It rewards experimentation. Yeah. And what Hotline Miami 2 does that's really good is throws in so many more gameplay mechanics, forces you to play certain ways on certain levels with certain characters, um, that just was constantly experimenting, constantly finding new ways to complete levels. And as such, I've not gotten bored with it at all. Like, Hotline Mammy no. 1 can get a bit samey. You're seeing the yeah. same thing over and over again. There's no real story to keep you caring about why you're doing it. You're just doing Especially it Especially because... if you're using the same mask. Exactly. So, but whereas in this one, you know, your player's a level where you can't kill people, so you have to use, like, melee weapons. If your character um, picks up a gun, he'll just take the bullets out of it and throw the gun away. Yeah. Um, and you get points for that as well, so it's like a completely different way to keep your combo going. Um and it's, they're just really smart at mixing everything up so you're not getting bored I mean the story's as fucked up as ever like everybody's just completely terrible yeah. they're just all mass murderers and all coked up and just fucking disgusting examples of human beings but they're all different and they all have their own quirks and their own fucked up sensibilities um like like I said you know one of the groups is a load of vigilantes like thinking they're sort of almost superheroes by copying this psychopath from the first game by putting animal masks on and killing people. Like, it's all fucked yeah. up and horrible. Um, but yeah, I'm fucking... I'm loving it. I'm six chapters in. I don't know how many chapters there are. Uh, it's starting to get really, really fucking hard. Now, that's another thing I should say. This game is a lot harder than the first one uh, because of the huger maps and the uh, the more wary you have to be, the more planning out you have to do. It's a lot harder. Yeah, but I find that a lot more satisfying. So, I've been well, it's a puzzle a game, isn't it? It's it's not a shooter that some people expect it to be, where you you kind of like these old school games like Mercs. I don't know if you ever played that, yeah. where you just kind of run and just shoot. And there's a lot of sort of top down games like that. Uh, mm. Commando used to be a game like that yeah, as yeah. well. This is more you you'd say it was more of a puzzle game or something like that, in that you have to use your thinking and you have to plan your routes and stuff. It's not a straight up shooter. Yeah, like you'll need to remember the layout because there's so many levels and like you know you'll do you'll spend like 20 minutes on one section like trying to memorise every single bit of this section okay there's a a wall here but it's got a it's got a window in it so if I go past here they'll see me and then when they see me they'll come running out so I can like funnel them down this hallway and then as soon as you complete that level you never have to play it ever again so you've done yeah. all that memorising and remembering for like nothing basically you have to start again on the next one but I find that really fun it is a puzzle game uh, yeah. it's, there's reflexes as well which keeps it uh, fresh but yeah it's primarily a puzzle game and the puzzles in this game are just bigger and better and more varied so a lot of these reviews I'm just I'm reading them going you know oh, oh you think it's bad that like you're dying from off screen well I, I just disagree yeah. with you you're just playing the game wrong and it's like yeah. really frustrating to see it getting low scores because of that. But I I personally would highly recommend it. Even if you didn't like play a huge amount of the first one, there's enough in this game that is fresh and new and exciting that uh I highly recommend it. Plus the soundtrack is 
Oh, oh my god, it's unbelievably yeah. good. Uh, I do love all that. I couldn't really imagine a game having a better soundtrack this year than Crypt of the Necro Dancer, but I don't see how this isn't the best soundtrack of the year already, and we're only in March. Yeah. Oh my god, I could probably do the next six months of music things on this podcast just with Hotline Miami 2. You probably will, Gareth. And they'd all be incredible. And I yes. might just do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to play more of it because I've not completed it yet, so I'll probably sing its praises again next week. But, you know, it's Can you actually again. sing it, though? No, I have the world's worst singing voice. I have a very flat oh. singing voice. When I was younger, I had a choir voice. But then your balls dropped. Yeah. And then we all get sad. Uh, as Don played <laughs> Hotline Miami... <laughs> no, he hasn't. Well, that's another game to add to your bloody pile. Was <laughs> carrying yeah, on. This, this pile's quite quite big. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to be weighed down by it one day. All, all these sins you've committed. I know. Well, I've got a weekend um, just to myself. This yeah, but weekend, you're going to play. So... You're going to play uh, Destiny, and we know well, that. Well, that will be the start of my morning tomorrow. Um, but once I get through the stuff to do for that day, I will then abandon it and try and play some of the other things. <gasps> yeah. Wow. So, uh, Gareth, have you played any other games, or do we go straight on to what's Don been doing in Destiny this week? <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's pretty much it for me. I've not really played... Uh, I've played a tiny little bit of League of Legends, because they uh, oh, patched yeah. it. Uh, patch 5.5 adds new items for mid laners and stuff. But yeah. We don't have to get into that. Mid laners? You didn't tell me that. Yeah, they, uh, Ludin's Echo, man. Oh, It's like shit. Static Shift, but for ability power instead of uh, auto attacks. Yeah, oh, mate, I knew that would happen one day. <laughs> but you're still bronze, though, yeah? <laughs> yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Right, so, Don, what have you been doing on Destiny this week? Oh, uh, you know, the same old things that we do every week on Destiny. Yeah. Try to take over the world. Yeah, you know, do some raids, do the nightfall, do the weekly, do some grinding to level up your weapons, um, and then do that all again when it pops around. And then we all cross our fingers that on Friday, Zura is selling something that we want. I find that if I do some grinding, my weapon gets right leveled up. Oh, <laughs> fucking <laughs> hell. There we go. Excellent. So, it, it, it's kind of like a uh, repetitive sort of thing you've got yourself into there Don it, it's, it's I don't think it's much different really to people who play World of Warcraft or League of Legends or whatever you you know there's certain things you do some people um, call this a rut Don yeah nah, nah. <laughs> nah. nope no because I, I like it I want to I like doing it I want to level up the weapons that I've got I want to try and find the, the ones that I don't have um, I want to complete the raids to get the uh, the more rare bits and pieces do you think that once everyone's moved on, you'll be like a lone wolf? <laughs> the only person, just a lone guardian in the tower, yeah. staring out over the over the travel. Used to be, yeah, quite possibly. Yes, I do. It's very <laughs> eerie to do that. Uh, a few weeks ago, I went on uh, Call of Duty Four, uh, which is the best one, and uh, I didn't go on an online thing. I just did a single player in one of the multiplayer maps. Yeah. And it, I just went up to a, one of the top of the buildings uh, on Crossfire, and I just looked across the expanse of land, 
remembering all the wars that I had and all the battles over the 18 days total playtime. And, you know, it's, it's quite haunting that you can hear the wind in the background and distant gunfire. And you feel the amount of time you spent in that place. And now it, it, you're standing there as a kind of observer. I felt like a kind of war veteran when they returned to Normandy. So <laughs> that's quite nice. Mm. Uh, bit of a stupid question, Don, but have you played anything else? No. No Fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, this week uh, I've been taking up most of my time playing Dying Light. Uh, I don't know what it is about the game, but it seems to have really clicked with me. And I think it's the same as uh, Gareth was saying with his Hotline Miami 2 reviews that he was reading, that he just he just can't understand what it is. And, you know, in some of the this, uh, Dying Light reviews I've been reading, they've been talking about game-breaking glitches. I've been playing it for 20 hours now, which is so unlike me in this day and age to play a game like that. That, And I think I've seen one glitch, and even that wasn't a game-breaking. Yeah. So I think it was a bit harsh to kind of mark it down when it was first released on glitches like that, when the game's pretty much running smoothly and perfect as it is. And um, I'm really starting to feel... Uh, good in the game uh like i said i've come to the second playable area which is uh connected to the first via like a sewer underground system and i wasn't really expecting it i I know that i saw on adverts and stuff i I saw it and i thought this area looks a bit different but i thought it would just be kind of like another area of the map but it is kind of like a whole new city of its own and like i said earlier it tests everything that you've learned up until that point in the you know the building buildings are a lot higher it's more like a city than it is a town in which the first map is and you know you can fall from a higher and it will be over and i've now got a grappling hook which kind of makes things a lot easier to traverse um so that opens up a kind of new gameplay mechanic and uh a lot of people like they said in the reviews that the fetch quests are quite boring but it's not like i need a hundred of these or i need you to pick up 50 documents it's kind of like, I need you to get this and this. And you, you've normally got it on you anyway because you pick up things as you go ahead. Um, I, I'm playing it on my own, which I think is what is keeping me at it. And I think it's strange that it may be working against it if you were to play it with three other people because it, it's quite atmospheric. And the feeling that you're alone in this big city... And, I, you know, I can imagine playing it online with three other people, you're all having a laugh... And sometimes that can be a detriment to a game uh, where people were mucking around and doing it. You know, I've played games before such as Left 4 Dead and I think that sometimes it can really take away from what the developer uh, has imagined, uh, what they've envisaged in the game. If you're playing it with three other guys and you're having a bit of a laugh and a joke while you're playing the game, it takes a lot away from it. And I think because I'm on my own... And because I feel it feels so isolated, it kind of adds to the tension. And I think that it adds to it if you play it on your own. And to, to be a single-player game, I thought that, you know, oh, it probably wouldn't be worth playing it if it was just me, kind of like Left for Dead. But it kind of feels good that I'm kind of like, I say, a lone wolf going across these cities and surviving for myself. And I've not had any problems with anything like that. And I'm quite easy to get bored at games. 
uh, and I'm one to just give up and not bother. Sort of happened with Unity and a few other games. For even Far Cry 4, I pretty much gave up halfway through and just thought, you know what, this isn't delivering anything that I've not seen before. But it's it's the thought of you know, especially nighttime where it becomes a lot harder, and um, you've got harder enemies that come after you. You've got these sort of super zombies that only come out at night, which makes everything harder, and it makes you kind of not running around and being so confident as you are during the day that you can just handle stuff, and you kind of feel that you gather resources during the day to get you through the night you can sleep throughout the night but the positive of staying up and playing throughout the night is that everything's doubled your xp's doubled so whenever you you traverse the environment you get experience points that you can then use to upgrade your abilities and that stuff like improved parkour skills improved shooting and whatnot um i thought you said there wasn't Hardly any shooting, like you found one gun. Yeah, I found one one gun. Uh, But now, um, the enemies, because they're getting tougher and I'm in a different district, they seem to be... uh, They've got more ammunition at hand, they've got more guns. But you don't really want to use guns because they draw zombies to you. So it's pretty much negative to use guns in open environments because you will just attract a horde so it's kind of counterproductive the times you want to use guns is when you're in a kind of um separate outpost that's been taken over by humans because you'll get kind of like an office block that's been taken over by human beings and then they'll um they'll have guns and they'll be shooting at you and stuff like that so you've got to shoot back but the because it's an enclosed environment that's off of the streets, you can do it and you can feel confident in getting the machine gun out and fighting back, but it's not advised when you're outside in the in the main town to just start shooting around everywhere, because it doesn't matter how powerful you get, once you get a few zombies after you, and then you get better zombies that are people that have just turned, they still have a little bit of humanity, they're a lot faster, but they'll be drawn by sounds, so you've got to be very careful. Um, I've got katanas and stuff like that now where you start the game with planks of woods and pieces of pipe. I've now got, you know, machetes, samurai swords and things like that. And it feels so satisfying to just hack through them. And it doesn't feel like mindless button bashing to get through like it did in Dead Island. There's real sort of rhythm to it. And, you know, if you're aiming for the head, their head will just come off. And And it feels totally brilliant. And I'm really enjoying myself. It's a fantastic game. The soundtrack is impeccable. And I would say to people, you know, play it. Someone like Don who plays Destiny, just give Dead Island... uh, Dead Island. Don't give Dead Island a chance. (laughs) Give Dead Rising a chance because it's got such an... Dying Light. Dying Light. Give Dying... It's getting late. (laughs) Give Dying Light a chance. And just... it's, It's a great game. It's a brilliant game. And I can see that the developers have put a lot of time into correcting what problems there were at launch for the people that downloaded the digital copy. They've done us a favour, really. They played as beta testers because pretty much now there's no faults with the game whatsoever in terms of performance or the way it runs. So, you know, disregard those um, reviews. Some of them are right, some of the reviews, but, you know, add a few more points to the scores that you see if it's a 7, take it to an 8. 
comfortably an eight, pushing a nine, because it, I feel it was marked down for some of the things that it suffered with at launch, which have now been resolved. So it's it's easily an eight, okay. and it's a brilliant game, and I'm really I'm enjoying it. The, and it's just, sorry, sorry, with the, uh, the Hotline Miami Two reviews, just ignore them completely. Ignore the game's them. fantastic. Because yeah. I don't know about you, but if I get shot from off screen once, then I go, oh, I'm just going to be looking out for that all the time now, so it doesn't happen again. Like a normal yeah. human fucking being. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's like saying, you know, there's a, there's, I've got, I've got this kind of, at the top of my stairs, I've got this kind of uh, slippery surface because I've got no carpet there yeah. and it's just plain glass. Uh, and on top of that, a few days ago, I spilt water on it. So now every time that I go to walk down my stairs, I fall down and injure myself quite badly. <laughs> it's kind of like, that's the same thing as saying that, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Rather than saying, you know what? I just put some more carpet down and it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. It's like the sort of person, they, it happens every day they wake up and get out of bed and it surprises them every day, but yeah. yet again, they still do it. It's like, I've been playing this Call of Duty game and I keep getting shot. Yeah. Like, I, I don't really want to press the right trigger. Well, no, I mean, how do I deal with these people? Right. Yeah, these like... bloody people that keep shooting at me. I just want to enjoy the scenery. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's what I've been playing this week. Uh, fantastic game. Go out and get it. You're going to enjoy it. And I don't know if I would be if I was playing with other people, maybe I wouldn't enjoy it as much. So I'm enjoying it now because I think unless everyone's invested and you're going to be po-faced while you're playing it and play a role in it. Oh my God, the zombies are coming. My name's John Deacon. I was uh, I worked at a supermarket before this happened. You can't do that. And if everyone's going to be laughing and jumping around, it takes away a lot and it's counterproductive. But I understand why. But it's something like Journey, okay? Journey purposefully disallowed voice chat and stuff like that and you didn't know who you were playing with. And it was all the better for it, wasn't it? Like, if you had some guy going, hey, up, what's up? You're all right, love. And you heard him in the background and he's, he's playing some shitty music while you're trying to play Journey... And he's going, oh, this is all right, this, isn't it? I don't really know what's going on. I don't know what the hidden meaning is. But, uh, yeah, it's going, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Johnny, shut up! Johnny! Daddy, I want to play Call of Duty. I'm playing Journey, you prick! You know, it wouldn't have the same effect. And I think sometimes it would be good if you were just matched with strangers and you kind of went around and done your thing. A voice was totally off because... You know, people like Don, they play Destiny, but are they talking about Destiny? No, they're probably talking about their balls. You're probably very rarely at this point talking about what's actually going on in your game of Destiny, aren't you, Don? You're all playing on autopilot, and you're probably all talking about what was on TV last night. Sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. So that, at times, can take away from what the developer wants you to see what they want you to experience from a game because you're kind of talking about what was on TV last night rather than paying attention to what, what's going on. And, you know, I've played games like I say Army of Two's one where I played with a friend and he just didn't shut up, even through the cutscenes. There's people <laughs> that speak through cutscenes and things like that. So you just have to mute their mic and it's, it's just ridiculous. But, yeah, it's a fantastic game. Go for it, Gareth. Download it from an illegal torrent. It's too scary. Oh dear, we would say that. Well, that's the Game Central podcast this week. Uh, my girlfriend's signalling to me that she wants to go to bed. 
Um, she's wearing leggings, which are a particular fetish of mine. <laughs> so, I look forward to hearing from everyone next week. Uh, Don, please play some games this weekend. Because <laughs> you are a man of, of whose opinion I respect. Majora's Mask, Don! Yeah. Majora's Mask, Last of Us, Grand Theft Auto 5, Hotline Miami, pick whatever you want, Don. You're going to have a great time. Good. I will. Okay. Well, we all just have to see you. Hey. Well, you can you can follow us. Well, not us. You can follow Gareth at Game Banter to hear him talk about things like wrestling. I like wrestling. You do. I don't know so, why. He's the only person I know who still lives in like the eighties. <laughs> Watches wrestling. Yeah, Gareth. Oh, it's so it's weird. Like the 80s, Don, 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, wrestling's a whole 80s thing for me. It was all giant haystacks and Big Daddy. The 90s uh, were the golden age of wrestling. Yeah, but of your girly pretend wrestling. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Is, is he dead? No. I always think he's dead. He's Stop. the one I always think he died, but he didn't. It's the other one. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.